How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. It's time for Warriors This Week. Brought to you by Oaks Card Club. Play smart, play at Oaks. Why not? Here's Steph Curry! Now, here's Sean Dickinson. And Whitey Gleason. And Whitey Gleason. At this level, we cannot continue to make that mistake, Whitey. Oh, well, that's all right. It is Warriors this week, however, John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason, and you on the phone lines today at 888-957-9570, 888 I got to be honest, when Stephen Curry went down back on October 30th, I would have said that the likelihood of the Warriors having a four-game winning streak, I would have put it at, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15% mm-hmm. just for the season based on the way that they were going to have to play. And then D'Angelo Russell went down shortly after that. And and you look at, yeah, this team was mostly competitive in the the early going of the time where they didn't have both of those players and they were figuring out ways to hang in games but not win them. But here we are on December 28th, and the Warriors are – about to play game five of a five-game homestand, and they have won the first four games of this homestand this week, Whitey. Yeah, earlier in the season, the defense was so bad. It was about as bad as you'll see at this level. Uh, And of late, it's been so solid. The Warriors are playing excellent defense. That's probably the biggest single reason why they've got this little streak going. But it's kind of a running joke. When a team that's not very good goes on a winning streak, it's a running gag for years. People say, oh, break up the blank, fill in the blank, whatever the team is. Break up the whoever. Break up the Warriors. Well, it looks like the Warriors are very uh, determined to break up this team, not for the sake of breaking it up, but because they've got some pieces that they feel are most val- valuable to them as trade assets. It was interesting, Steve Kerr last night, he's been talking a lot this year about Kai Bowman and now Damian Lee, two-way deals. And up until last night, Steve Kerr was pretty coy about it, right, J.D.? He was well you know, we'll see how it goes. We're we're taking this uh, one game at a time, blah, blah, blah. And last night, uh, there are two of our top seven, and it's a very awkward situation. Yeah. Because, In other words, somebody's on their way out of here. Yeah, because somebody would have to be sure. on their way out if those two are going to be kept. And the Warriors have clearly made the decision within the last week that they're not concerned about the fact that, you know, Damian Lee has 12 days to go and Kai Bowman has 11 days to go before they have to either send them down to G League Santa Cruz or find a way onto their roster by virtue of offering him a contract at the NBA level for the remainder of the season. Yes, yeah, Steve Kerr said everybody is aware of that. We don't know how it's going to play out. He also said it's up to Bob Myers, but you got Alec Burks, you got GR3, you got Marquise Chris, you got Willie Colley Stein, you got Amari Spellman, and they are the most likely candidates to be leaving. Although you mentioned last night Jacob Evans, he just has not been playing well. Yeah, if you're sheerly trying to say, hey, okay, well, give me the two players that, that maybe aren't playing well or have fallen out of favor a little bit, you know, forget about who may have the most value or other teams would want. Or if you're just saying, hey, you want to keep the best, most impactful players that the Warriors have right now, I, I think you would say Jacob Evans and Amari Spellman would be the two that would be the most expendable. But again, in a perfect world, you know, 
other teams would have to offer you something for that. And I, I don't know that there would be anybody out there that would want Jacob Evans or Amari Spellman at this point in time. And I don't think the Warriors are necessarily done with a, a guy like Jacob Evans, who is still pretty, pretty young and uh, needs to grow into himself a little bit uh, as a player. Right. And we've also talked about how the Warriors may trade their first-round pick wherever that ends up uh, slotting. They could trade that along with D'Angelo Russell, perhaps. Also, if you got some future assets for one or more of these guys, that's also something you could include in a tidy little package, right? Let's say you got second-round picks for whomever. That's a, 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 another asset you could package up if you're trying to make a bigger deal after the season ends and land a big, big name. Where are you as far as this winning streak goes for the Warriors? It's four in a row. It's four in a row at home. The Mavs are in Chase Center tonight as the Warriors are going to look to sweep this homestand. They've gone from 5-24 and 24 to 9-24 and 24 here in the last eight days. Uh, they are still last in the Western Conference, but you look up and the Warriors actually have the longest winning streak of any team in the Western Conference right now at four, and they have the second longest winning streak of anybody in the NBA, tied with Miami four in a row. The Celtics are the only team that has a, a longer winning streak right now. They've won five in a row, but the Warriors are still on a 22-win pace overall, even with the four consecutive wins, and they're still at the bottom of the Western Conference, still third in the reverse standings. Yeah, last four games, though, they're on an 82-win pace, if you want to slice it that way. I understand that if you look at it intellectually, rationally, it makes sense for the Warriors not to even be concerned about making a playoff run this year. It's more about, as I said, future assets. But in my heart, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a lot of fun if they made a run at the eighth spot somehow, some way, an unlikely run? And I do think that it's it's really bad for the league that you could make a very logical argument that this team, any team, but certainly this case, this team is better off missing the playoffs. I understand that, but wait a minute. When you think about that, that's not the way it's supposed to work, right? It's not. No, yeah. you want, you're supposed to want to get in. Yeah, and I'm not blaming the Warriors because we understand the benefits of having these gap years, whatever you want to call them, but it's too bad in a way that you've got a team that might be in position to make a run. We'll see. I know they still, as you say, they got a long ways to go here. But a lot of people are pointing out, yeah, they're probably better off not making it. That's in a way that's too bad. And the Warriors are, we'll point it out, five and a half out of the eighth spot. The eighth spot, though, is currently Portland, and Portland is 14 and 18. So if you look at Portland overall uh, at 14 and 18, the Warriors are five and a half back of the Blazers. So to me, it's just not quite realistic yet to even consider it because, look, this is a team that's on a 22-win pace right, still right. overall. And, you know, Portland's there, San Antonio's there, two teams that have, have played very poorly by their standards in recent years and by what they believe they could be this season. Those two teams are still in front of them. you got a team like Sacramento right behind those two teams that, that seems to be crumbling at the seams a little bit after playing very well uh, in November. And, but they're still a team that I think – out of desperation, would be dying to get into the playoffs as well, having not made it since the 2006 season. So uh, I think even if the Warriors decided they wanted to try and make a run, there's still probably too much traffic in front of them. Again, they are 15th in the Western Conference. It's just fun to be talking about, hey, they got a winning streak going, and even glancing at the standings. Everything you said is exactly right. 
Uh, they're sitting there still at 15th. They'd have to climb all the way to 8th. But isn't it a lot more fun to be looking at, hey, they're winning games. What does this mean? How many more games would they have to win rather than, oh, well, at least they're developing young players and maybe they'll get James Wiseman. And by, Well, and I think that's really more of a question for the fans, Whitey. 888-957-9570. I mean, I think I know the answer. I, I think the majority of Warriors fans would say, no, it's – Get the top pick possible. Gap year it. Gap yeah, year. I understand that. Top pick possible. You've got Curry and Clay coming back. You've got you know D'Angelo Russell here or assets coming back for D'Angelo Russell. By the way, did you see D'Angelo Russell last night? He was having fun out, uh, exhorting the crowd. Yeah, getting yeah. into it with the fans out. You know, in a, in a good way, having some fun uh, after going out and doing the post game interview on the on the television side of things. It, it looks like he's enjoying his time here uh, and maybe isn't in a position where he really wants to go anywhere at this point. Obviously, that won't ultimately be his choice. But you're looking at this team having a little bit more fun and having more clearly delineated roles, I think, for the first time all season. They've kind of figured out who they have to be in this incarnation to compete and be successful. But the rat on the table on the other side of the room is... Well, how, do you keep it together? Do you ha- And the fact that you, in a lot of ways, can't keep it together because you do have to figure out ways to get Damian Lee and, and Kai Bowman on the roster. So who's your first pick? If you had the first pick right now, who are you taking? If you had the first pick in the draft today. I would take Anthony week, Edwards. Would you? Yeah, I think I'm with you. Yeah. Although I'd like to pick James Wiseman maybe, but I, he's not going to play any games. I guess i got to go, uh, go see him work out or something or bring him in for a workout. He's hiring a, uh, let's see. Uh, he has uh, signed with XL Sports. I hope this doesn't become the trend. It's very. I understand it, it's a business. These guys essentially are businessmen, but that would be so bad for college basketball, right? It would be very bad. Yeah. It would be very bad. But I think I think the landscape of college basketball is going to change dramatically in the next two to five years. Yeah, it already has. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think they're. They, there's, it's going to be vastly different. Whether that means players can just go directly to the NBA, I think the you know the G League and the way that's structured now provides an option that that hasn't been there. Uh, if the money gets to a point where that becomes significantly worth it for a player, as opposed to maybe going to college for a year or two, uh, you know, I think you're going to see college players starting to get paid a little bit here in the near future. So I think the game is going to be changing. You mean on more than they're already getting fronts. paid. Or, 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 or more legally, yeah, right? Than, more than they, legally than they currently are getting paid. By the way, uh, just just for grins here, uh, I did mention Portland at fourteen and eighteen. Portland right now, the eight seed, the eight seed in the Western Conference right now is on a thirty-five win pace, thirty-five and forty-seven. So could the Warriors win thirty-six games? Could the these Warriors win thirty-six games? Nah, I don't think so. But Stephen Curry, mm-hmm. Clay Thompson, that's right, potentially coming back for the final. Uh, Curry, I guess, could be back for the final month and a half. Clay may not be back at all, or, or we're talking about maybe six or seven games. And don't undersell their new secret weapon, Smiley. Yeah, Alan, Alan Smiley Geach making his NBA debut last night in spectacular fashion. That's a slight overstatement, but he did score four points in four minutes and grabbed a rebound. And you found yourself just transfixed on him. Right? Oh, yeah. From the moment he comes into the game, he makes a really nice cut for a layup. He gets an offensive rebound put back for a layup. He takes a, a corner three. It was a good shot to take, and it looked good. Good shot, back rim, miss, and just 
the energy that he played, he looked like he wanted to guard everybody, mm-hmm. whether it was his man or who had the ball. It looked like he wanted to, wherever the ball went, he wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he looked a little confused, I think, offensively at a couple of points where he, he was kind of the third man in a in a small area, and he went to set a screen when I don't think he was supposed to. and Trying to stay out of the way and still do what he's supposed yeah, to do. And yeah, and it looked like he was kind of caught between staying out of the way and trying to do something, right? Like he wanted to set a he's screen. He's a scorer, J.D. Get on the ball and get out of his way, <laughs> right? Well, As it, he said after the game, he's a he's bucket man. And it was a podium game night. Uh-huh. It was a podium game night for Alan Smilagich. Yeah, it's unusual when you score four, right? It is. But uh, I, I think a positive debut, and, you know, we were talking about it, Whitey, during the game as we were watching the game together and then on Warriors wrap-up after the game, you just got the impression, all right, Steve Kerr, he gave him his four minutes. It was a relatively positive four minutes. He got to run around a little bit. Get that out of your system. That That's enough, kid. That's right. all you, that, That's all we're giving you tonight, and that wound up being the case. Yeah, you enjoy that. Here's your, here's your gold star. And Steve Kerr also pointed out that if Spellman hadn't been sick, Smiley Geach probably wouldn't have played last night. But another just fun piece of energy in the building last night. And by the way, the crowds have been really good this week. Oh, yeah. I, that, that, I, I'm going to say this every single week. I know I've said it the last couple of weeks. When the Warriors are good again, Chase Center's going to rock. Like, Chase Center's going to be fantastic. It's going to be one of the best atmospheres in the NBA, and it has been. I, I think this week with the Warriors playing well. And you know what? Last night was the first time, Whitey, where, you know, the Suns were the better team for two and a half, three quarters last night. Really kind of controlling the game. They never could fully separate to, to turn the game into a blowout. But it looked like they had control of things. But it looked like things. they had control. Yeah. And, you know, last night was maybe the first time in the history of the building where the Warriors weren't really playing all that well, but they were just kind of hanging around, and you thought, boy, if they cut this thing down to four or to six, the crowd's going to get into it, and I wonder how Phoenix is going to react. They did not react well. And they're a team on a losing streak, and I think a team on a losing streak, it's very difficult once the game gets tight and you have that belief that you already should have won the damn game uh, and, and you couldn't finish them off that maybe you start making some mistakes, and it's exactly what happened. But it was that first feel of, you know, when a team has a real home court advantage, when, let's say, a 13- or a 15-point game gets down to four or six, you really think, oh, there's a vibe in the building. Like, the the home team's going to win this game. And last night was really the first time that I thought all game that, hey, if the Warriors make a run and the crowd gets into it, they might be able to take this thing, and that's exactly how it played out. Yes, they've come from 13 down to win two games in a row now. From 13 behind, so yeah, the crowd's into it. The the Warriors are giving them a lot to cheer about. As for Phoenix, by the way, and I know we're not really talking about the Suns today, but to me that's a team that's close, but there's still something they're lacking, and I don't know if it's Aiton. I don't know if they need to make a deal for Kevin Love, and defensively, of course, they're they're really lacking. But you can almost see they're so close, and you can sense their frustration because they've lost eight in a row, and a lot of these have been close games. I'm not sure what it is, and they have to figure out what it is. They're close, but there's still something essential that they lack. Yeah, I think it's it's talent. I think it's. I mean, I think maybe Booker is part of that. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, Ricky Rubio's a nice stopgap, get you organized point guard. But is he really the starting point guard on a on a really really good team? I know he was with Utah, and yeah. they were pretty good. He can be a starting point guard on a playoff team. Yeah. I think he's shown that. I just think there isn't enough there in terms of, you know, Kelly oh, Kelly Oubre, nice player. Is Kelly Oubre really a, you know, starting small forward on a playoff team? I mean, I guess if you have 
you know, other really good. I, I don't know. I think they're actually lacking at every position hmm. in a lot of ways, maybe with the exception of Booker. And Booker's kind of a weird, one of those weird guys that's gotten paid, but he hadn't really done anything. There's a lot of, a lot of young players in the league that have, you know, gotten that first huge contract before they've really accomplished much. And I, and, you know, it kind of leads you to wonder, is there a full motivation to or, or do these guys think maybe that they're a little bit made at that point and are, are they fully working on their game do they even understand what working on their game to get to a a high level where you can you know be a, a a guy that can lead your team to a playoff spot you know devin booker at some point right if devin booker's a one on a team like if he's your best player if devin booker's going to be a damn good player at some point he's got to be good enough to hey i'm devin booker I'm leading my team to 40, 45 wins, and he's clearly not good enough to do that. He was pretty good last night, at least uh, offensively. But yeah, they uh, they they don't have much of a. They've got better uh, stopgap presence. They've got better stopgap pieces than they've had, but but they still, to me, aren't close to to really being a playoff team. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason. It's Warriors this week here on ninety five seven. The game. Uh, we do have a great show for you, Mark Medina. Is going to join us coming up at 9.45, NBA writer for USA Today. He was in L.A. for the Clippers-Lakers matchup, and he's been covering uh, various areas of the Western Conference. Connor Letourneau of the Chronicle at 10.30. Gary St. Jean will join us at 12.30. Whitey, you asked the question before we get to a couple of calls. Can the Warriors go 36-46, and 46, right? Uh I say no. They are nine and twenty-four currently, but five and a half out of the eighth spot. Portland fourteen and eighteen in the eighth spot. The eighth spot currently a thirty-five win pace. You said, "Hey, JD, can the Warriors go thirty-six and forty-six? They'd have to go twenty-seven and twenty-two to do that." Yeah, it appears unlikely between now and the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Just to get to thirty-six, that's ten games under five hundred. Right? Not likely. Yeah, that's assuming that thirty-six is the number. It's possible it's lower, but I think whether it is or not. I, I, that's I think, nitpicking. And I, think, I think the larger point you're making is valid. And I think the number is actually going to end up being a little higher. I don't know that it's going to be 500, but I think the number is probably going to be 38 or 39 when it's all said and done. Let's go ahead and get to uh, Scott and Berkeley. Scott and Berkeley will start here uh, on 95.7, the game, our tip-off caller. Scott, you're on Warriors this week. Good morning, fellas. How you doing? Well. Happy holidays to both of you. Yeah. And to you. Thank you. Um... I guess the first question, the first thing, my first thought is about um, where they're headed. I think draft wise, because I, I guess my thinking at this point is figuring that they fall where they're going to, where they're current. It's got to be either Wiseman or Anthony Edwards. I, you know, as much as much as I've been intrigued by Lamelo Ball, I'm definitely afraid of Lavar. So I mean, I, you know, it's kind of like I guess I have to leave him out. Sure, and. And thinking about, you know, obviously Christmas Day, you know, I, suddenly I'm looking at Houston and I'm thinking, I guess I'm a little historical about guys who have great regular seasons and then fall apart in the playoffs. I keep looking at Harden, and it's kind of like he falls into the line of Elvin Hayes, Robert Parrish, who always got eaten up by Kareem in the finals, Carl Malone, and now Harden. And then it's like on top of everything else, you're looking at Russ and you're thinking of bigger, stronger Allen Iverson. 
he's going to shoot the ball 30 times regardless, and that's, and that's basically what's going to cost them. Now, insofar as the Lakers and the Clippers, the Lakers, somebody, you know, not specifically accusing the Lakers, but I'm going to accuse the Lakers anyway. They spend two weeks taking various shots at Kawhi, who's kind of like a soft target because, as we know, Kawhi just isn't going to say anything. And then he breaks them up <laughs> on Wednesday. And you're still looking at the. And I keep saying, no matter what, when everybody gets into the argument, no matter what with the Clippers, you know that you're going to end up facing Lou Will coming off the bench. You know that you're going to end up facing Trez coming off the bench. Yeah. Just by that notion, the Clips are still going to end up being the better team, and especially the way they play defense. I think that's fair. Yeah, and th- thanks, Scott. A lot to chew on there, kind of league-wide and with the Warriors. Scott and Berkeley checking in here. I mean, in the two matchups between the Lakers and the and the Clippers, not to get off on that tangent too far, but it's, it's kind of been the same game, right? I mean, competitive, and then the Clippers win it down the stretch. Well, I know Mark Medina's going to join us, and he's been writing that he doesn't feel like either one of those two games is of much significance. We'll find out what he thinks about that when he joins us. He thinks it's still too early for those Laker-Clipper games to mean that much. Uh, again, we'll, we'll give him the chance to clarify. I think for two really good teams, I think there are some flaws for both teams. I, I mean, I, I think you have That's to, the NBA this year, right? I, I mean, really to, every year, but especially this year. Yeah, I think you have to wonder if the Lakers have good enough role players to get it done. And the other thing you got to wonder, too, is like, when is LeBron? Is LeBron really going to go full LeBron takeover mode? Because we haven't really seen him try to do that in the playoffs or be capable of doing it, at least against the Warriors, when he tried to do it. Maybe he's more capable of doing it now. Maybe he just doesn't do it. I don't know. I just don't think he's – and, again, it's hard because it's the regular season, but I just don't think he's aggressive enough as a scorer in a lot of these big games. Like, LeBron, you got to be the best player on the floor. And, and that means go get buckets when your team needs them. And I feel like there's just this willingness to defer let, and yeah, just yeah. let – you know, Anthony mediocre Davis. role players. No, not even Davis, but let mediocre role players t- take three pointers. I'm I'm kind of of the Snoop Dogg version of this. Did you see the Snoop Dogg video after the game? Yeah, he was he was pretty tick- he big Lakers fan, but he was pretty ticked off at at some of those veterans that were missing threes at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of missing threes, I, I'm I'm with the caller on Lamelo, but it has nothing to do with Lavar. I, he just is not a good shooter, and I wouldn't want to spend the first pick on a guy that can't shoot. I know Ben Simmons is a pretty good player, but I wouldn't go there because of that. Although I think Gavoni still has LaMelo as the number one prospect. As for the Harden comparisons, uh, you know, Elvin Hayes did win a ring and Parrish won three, but I know where you're going there, and we'll just have to see a long ways to go. Harden's failures, is it because of um, is he, there's something that he's lacking in terms of another playoff gear, or is it that system that they run just breaks down in a in a series against a good team? Maybe we'll find out this year. Charlie is up next here on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Charlie, you're on Warriors this week. Uh, what do you make of the Warriors' four-game winning streak? But, uh, listen, you know, oh, Happy New Year, Whitey. Happy New Year. Yeah, thank you. I, you, you know, in as I'm watching the game, I, as a fan, I can never root against them to lose. I, and, but... But you know, you know it's they're they're hurting their reverse standings. I mean, um, yes, ultimately, objectively, you can look at this two ways. Objectively, I think the best 
course to getting back to a top three, top four team is to finish with one of those top three, top four picks. You know, whether you keep D'Angelo, you package, you, you know, things we've been talking, you guys have been talking about for the last several weeks. Um, and, and then with Clay and Steph and everyone coming back. Uh, them, but on the other hand, if, they, if they're competitive for the rest of the year and, and they can win 30 games or to high 20s, I remember last year reading about how Kawhi was so impressed with the way the Clippers finished the season and the way they uh, played the Warriors in that first round that that sort of played in, uh, you know, unless it wasn't accurate, but it played into his decision-making between the three teams he was choosing between. So if uh, uh, an impending free agent looks at this roster and says, wow, this team with really nothing on the team outside of D'Angelo Russell, was competitive the whole season, and now Steph is coming back and Clay's coming back. I want to play there, so I think I think you can work either way. Ultimately, though, if they're not going to make the playoffs, I would rather have that top three, top four pick. And uh, final note: nothing gives me greater pleasure still than when the Warriors beat the Houston Rockets. That was that was a Merry Christmas and a, uh, uh, extra gift for me. Uh, I love watching Harden and, and Westbrook walk off the court with that hangdog face. Anyway, guys, that's all I got. Take <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. I know a lot of Warrior fans have expressed a similar sentiment. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you look at this season and and the Warriors at 9-24 and 24 and coming into this homestand, which began a week from last night at 5-24, and 24, I, I think if you took a poll of Warriors fans and said, hey, you can win one game in the next month, what would it be? And oh, yeah. I, and I think every Warriors fan would say, Give me the Rockets game on Christmas on ABC in you know in front of the national audience with the you know with this you know plucky group of you know guys you know figuring out a way and and you know sending them packing. I'll say this uh, for Warrior fans, for the sake of Warrior fans who who are concerned that the team is winning so many games now that they may jeopardize uh, their draft standing. The worst team ever in modern history, uh, the seventy sixers, seventy two, seventy three, Philadelphia seventy sixers. They won nine games, but even they had a hot streak. Even the worst teams have a hot streak. The Sixers had lost 20 in a row, and then they went on a streak where they won five of seven, and then they lost their last 13. Yeah. So even bad teams have streaks where things go their way. And a, and a long losing streak is always a, potentially around the corner for a team that's that's dealt with a lot of the things that the Warriors have dealt with this season. And the Warriors really haven't had that. To this point, they haven't had the long losing streak like Minnesota or even Phoenix uh, has dealt with and is dealing with right now. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. We've got call of the game coming up here next. And also Mark Medina is going to join us. It's Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. Back to Warriors wrap up on 95.7 The Game. Now, Warriors this week, 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason. We will have Warriors wrap up for you tonight after the Warriors take on the Dallas Mavericks over at Chase Center. Sure. Eight eight eight. It all starts to run together at some point. Yeah, 957-0-888-957-9570. So, uh, yeah, we had Warriors wrap up last night up until about 11.30. Isn't this still Warriors wrap up? I mean, Just really, last night? in many ways it is. Yeah, okay. In many ways it is. It's Warriors Wrap-Up and Warriors Live, although Jim Barnett will join us for Warriors Live coming Looking up at to 4. That. Looking forward to seeing Doncic tonight. Home back-to-back for the Dubs. This is the second one of the year 
for Golden State in terms of the home back-to-back. There was one back in early November uh, where the Warriors were home on a on a Friday and a Saturday uh, as well. Yeah. Um, the thing about Dallas, Dallas is a pretty good team this year. Doncic is having an incredible year. But Dallas has had a few blips there. They've lost to the Knicks twice. They lost at home to Sacramento. So I wouldn't be shocked to see them come in here and take the Warriors maybe a little more lightly than they should, although the fact that the Warriors have won four straight makes that less likely now. Yeah, I I would think so. I I would think so. And the other factor in play there is, hey, the Warriors, you know, the Mavs played one of their best games and the Warriors played one of their worst games of the season, probably their worst game of the season in Dallas too. So I think you factor that in, maybe the Mavs. I think there's a potential for them to take the Warriors a little lightly, even winning four in a row just based on the head-to-head earlier. Uh, Doncic returned against the Spurs, played 33 minutes, uh, and he's averaging 32 minutes. So uh, they were happy to have him back with 24-10-8 in the win over the Spurs. Some have compared him to Larry Bird in some ways. I'm having a hard time seeing that. No, I think he's more of a – I think the the shooting, you know, style and stroke – I think reminds some of Larry Bird, although as you were pointing out before the show, I mean Doncic still isn't shooting an extraordinary not a great level three for three. Point shooter, yeah, uh, but I, I, to me, that's not the best comparison, just based on the fact that he's more of a. I think I mean he's more of a point guard. Yeah, he's just ball dominant. Yeah, I mean Larry Bird would kind of do everything. You could give him the ball a lot, but he was. I mean, he didn't function really as a point guard. Yeah, I was never a Larry Bird fan, but to me, that's 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 not a fair comparison. Larry Bird is better than Doncic. Doncic, so far, he's phenomenal, but come on, we're talking about Larry freaking Bird. All right, Mark Medina is going to join us here coming up, uh, but right now let's get to the call of the game. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. Call of the game, if you can correctly identify the call from last night, uh, be caller or be the third caller right now. Third caller, 888-957-9570. you got a chance to win $50 to Schroeder's in San Francisco, if you can identify last night's call of the game. And what a play it was. I know. Watch it. Watch what you say. But what an exciting moment in that contest. Yeah, it really was. By a player who I think that of all the players the Warriors could deal, I think this guy is one that they'd have to really want to keep at this point. Well, you know what? Let's let's get into that uh, a little bit here uh, as the calls line up for sure. Call the game, right here on ninety-five-seven. The game. Uh, Let's get into all right. Who has to stay? Who who has to go? Essentially, right. I mean, the Warriors are at a point where they're going to have to figure out roster spots for Kai Bowman and for Damian Lee. If you're going to add Damian Lee to the roster, is the natural fit as far as a guy that you would look to deal, Alec Burks. Yes. I mean, as much as I love having Alec Burks on this team. I know this and is I hard think, you for know, you to talk look, about. Look, Alec Burks, I like him on this team. I love him on next year's Warriors team. Although, you you know, trading him now doesn't mean you can't have him on the team next year. Right? But yeah, I, I think if you just look at, you know, hey, a, a guy that can score the ball, a guy that can shoot the ball, kind of an instant offense guy that can do some other things too. I mean, Damian Lee, in essence, it he kind of replaces Alec Burks, although Lee's been in the starting lineup. Yeah, presumably Burks is the guy that you're going to get the most for. As teams look for veteran help. Um, yeah, so I'll be very interested to see how much interest he generates. 
Um, he didn't have a great game last night till the fourth quarter. Burks last night was really struggling. Wasn't he one for ten through three quarters? Then he was four for four when it came time to win the game as the Warriors had that fabulous fourth quarter to put it away. Yeah, and he's just been... He's, he's played been, a little point uh, and he, pretty well. His handle, I yeah. think, has been one of the more impressive aspects of of his game. Like you could put the ball in his hands and he can he can attack. Yeah. In addition to knocking down the three, he's defended better, I think, than he had in recent seasons. He had a reputation as being a, a guy who was a pretty good defender, but I don't think he played up to that in recent seasons. So he's getting it all done here. Yeah, definitely. All right, John in Pacifica. John in Pacifica is up here for our call of the game. Uh, John, uh, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. How are you guys? All right, Good. we're doing very well. Uh, go ahead and take a stab at the call of the game. Can you identify what we played last night on Warriors Wrap-Up? Uh, I hope so. It was um, a couple of offensive rebounds and ends with a Glenn Robinson dunk. All right, let's see if he is correct. It's time for the call of the game. Brought to you by Metro by T-Mobile. Cauley Stein down the lane over to Robinson to the corner to Lee for three. No. Tipped and Cauley Stein gets it. Out to Russell. Three ball. No. Jam home. Robinson on the doorstep. Another elevation sensation for Glenn Robinson. And the Warriors lead by two. The Suns want time. John, great job. Excellent effort, John. That is correct. And, John, uh, we'll go ahead and put you on hold. Congratulations, buddy. All right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. I went to my first game last night with my kids. It was a good time. Awesome. Yeah, it was a great time, great atmosphere, and and good to see the Warriors get a win against the Phoenix Suns. John, hold the line. We're going to come back and get some information from you, but you've won the $50 to Schroeder's Restaurant at 240 Front Street in San Francisco. Well played, uh, John, and well played, uh, GR3, that putback dunk at 414, that may have been the play that broke the Suns' backs last night. Yeah, Warriors had the lead, and the Warriors would go on to win it by the final of 105-96, to so they have won four in a row. Trying to sweep the homestand tonight? This will be the biggest challenge. Do or do not, there is no try. As Yoda said famously uh, in... <laughs> in the movie that he said that in, right? Do or do not, there is no try. So there's no try to do this or try to do that. Get it done tonight. That's what they've been doing here. Four in a row. Draymond had this epiphany. He had the epiphany that they were going to win five in a row. How about that? I mean, that is, that's a little odd. And, you know, he was asked about that post game, and he said, hey, I'm just you know, watching us practice. I think we're, I, I've noticed we're, we're getting better. We're improved. It's, I mean, it, I would not have thought, hey, this team's going to run off five in a row. So how do you deal with the fact that you want to limit Draymond's minutes this year, but now you've won four in a row, and he's playing really well, especially at crunch time. So how do you handle that delicate dance? Well, there was a point last night where I was looking at at his minutes, and he wound up playing 32 and a half minutes last night. And and as it got to the final minute or two of the game, and I saw that he was over 30 and that the Warriors were going to win the game, my initial thought was, well, I wonder if he doesn't play tomorrow night, meaning tonight. Uh, again, you know, back-to-back, and the Warriors have said, yeah, maybe some back-to-backs, they're going to give him a night off. Uh, I don't think they're going to mess with the momentum that they no, have they going. No, they can't, can they? And, and I think they also know that at some point down the line, they probably will give Draymond a night off or a couple of nights off or maybe even a week off. So the, the way I kind of put it was, 
eh, you know what? Either either give him tomorrow night off, meaning tonight, or you play him tonight against Dallas, and then you just say, yeah, don't don't go to don't. You can just hang out at home when we go to San Antonio, Minnesota next week. I don't think he's going to be too anxious to sit down when they got a winning streak going. No, absolutely not. And I think you know one thing the Warriors haven't really had to address this season is the T word, right? And because they've just they've been so riddled with injury and they've lost so many games in the early going that it just, hey, this is just a team that's struggling and, and they don't have their guys and they're fighting hard and, and they're not winning. I mean, they were playing with eight and nine guys for a good 10 or 15 game stretch, right, where they had eight or nine healthy players. So the Warriors really didn't have to address, you know, are they going to hold player X or player Y out, you know, in an attempt to yeah, turn their focus. Many to next games year. they barely had enough people. The the Warriors are at the very least, whether you believe they're in the conversation for making a run at the eight seed. They are five and a half games out, but still on pace to only win twenty two games. But making that run, but they are, I think, for the first time, forced to. They're starting to be. They're going to have to acknowledge somewhat of a plan. And I think you know you you made the point as we were getting ready for the show here that may be in part why you're starting to see some of the trade rumors floated about could be could be let me ask you this if you took this warrior team right now the way they've been playing the way they've been defending and you added Steph Curry okay and let's say you started the season over with this warrior team playing the way they're playing isn't that a playoff team this year yeah the Warriors I'm convinced now that the Warriors if Curry had played every game they would have made the playoffs they'll make the playoffs I like I'm definitely especially if you look at how bad the eight seed is yes this and and I think the Warriors that said we're going to get off to a bad start as well. Like, like they already kind of were. Even the night that Curry went down, they were getting just absolutely bludgeoned by the Suns. And they'd gotten bludgeoned on opening night. Yeah, and it was just yeah. looking. It was just looking bad. Things weren't fitting well. Yeah, but I think just like you have to afford, you know, this team with an opportunity to get better. I think that team would have had an opportunity to get better, and Curry and Russell would have figured some things out as time went on, and. And at some point, that team would have made a little bit of a run. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I thought it was interesting last night. Somebody was asking after the game, Coach Kerr, about how the Warriors were handling Phoenix's zone and whether they were having problems. And Coach Kerr said, well, the shots weren't going in. And I realized, well, if they're having problems with the zone, that's the last thing the coach is going to say after the game. Like, we can't figure that thing out because then that's all they're going to see. So I thought that was very interesting, his answer. Yeah, the shots weren't just going in. I don't think we really had too many problems with it. But clearly they did at times. Well, and and Rick Carlisle will put anything out there. Oh, yeah. If if he thinks it'll help. I mean, he's he's very good at, at figuring out you know matchups and, and different things like that. Maybe as good as anybody in the league at coming up with a, a game plan for a specific game. Hall of Fame coach? It's pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. He's got the championship now and longevity. Yeah. Longevity's won everywhere he's been. Yeah, he's he's been he's been darn darn good. I, I would yeah. I would say it's pretty close. Especially because he's overseen this transition into what is probably another playoff team for them. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's get to our first guest on the program today. It is a pleasure as always to be joined by NBA writer for USA Today and friend of the program and the station. Mark Medina joins us here on 95.7 The Game. Mark, how are you? Happy holidays. Uh, good to speak with you. Likewise, J.D. Happy holidays, my man. How's things? Things are going well, and, and 
somewhat surprisingly, things are going well for the Warriors, who have all of a sudden <laughs> won four in a row and have a chance tonight with Dallas here in San Francisco to uh, sweep a five-game homestand surrounding the, the holiday before going back out on the road. Just uh, as somebody that hasn't been around as much, how surprised are you to see that just based on the way this team was playing in the early going of the season? Well, I, I was certainly surprised that they beat Houston. I mean, I think you can make a case that, hey, you don't make too much of New Orleans or Minnesota. But it, it was funny that, that you brought this up, J.D., because I was texting with someone on the Warriors before the Rockets came. And I was like, you know, how, how many points is Harden going to give you? 50? And they were kind of downgrades and yeah, but it's going to be an inefficient scoring line. And all of a sudden, he's only at 24. So I think that even exceeded uh, the Warriors' own expectations because I think when you combine the fact that James Harden does what he does, the Rockets have flamed down the playoffs against the Warriors, that would be the best time to kind of exact revenge on them, right? And it seemed like the opposite happened where the Warriors to the kitchen sink at them and they just didn't seem ready to play. So, you know, all the credit to the Warriors. I don't know how long this will last. It might end tonight because Dallas is really good. But I think for a team that season is defined by lottery odds, you need these stretch of wins to help, you know, the young guys' confidence in the buy-in process. So uh, I don't think you can downgrade the significance enough. Mark, I know we touched on this on uh, Christmas when you were nice enough to join us. But it looks like the Warriors are certainly willing to discuss potential deals involving Burks, Marquise Chris, Willie Cauley-Stein, GR3, Omari Spellman. Uh, in a nutshell, how much interest do you think any of those guys may be generating on the open market here with the trade deadline approaching? Um, honestly, I don't really know much. I mean, ideally, the Warriors would love to do that to be able to trim a little bit of a salary and you know, pave a roster spot so that, you know, they don't have to play the numbers game with Ty Bowman and Damian Lee because, um, you know, they're on that 45-day contract. I I think the Warriors will be aggressive with that, and maybe, you know, there's some enticements for some of these playoff teams like the Lakers and and the Clippers that just need an extra piece. But I think that if a deal is going to happen, it's not going to happen until, like, the 11th hour. Mark Medina, our guest here on 95.7 The Game. It's Warriors this week, uh, John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason. Yeah, it, it's interesting because, I mean, the Warriors have this this huge puzzle of, you know, who fits this year to just get through the season versus who fits next year. And then they also have a means to add other players that, that could fit either, you know, maybe a, a starter or two and then, you know, some some key bench pieces. But then they've got this group of players that are also trying to make a name for themselves, you know, moving forward on that roster, who among maybe that group of guys that are playing now, you know, who who are some of the keepers versus some of the guys that that you think could be more expendable? Not necessarily in trade, but just as far as having a role on next year's team. Yeah, um, well, I can say definitively, D'Angelo Russell's not going to get traded this upcoming trade deadline because they want to see if they can max his value out for you know next summer in a deal or you know just at least get clarity if Steph Curry ever comes back how that fits in so I wouldn't rule it out but I would rule out that he's traded before the deadline as far as the other guys I think with Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson the third they feel like you know what you're going to get and there's nothing dramatic but they're great role players and they could fill in 
a specific need where Alec is more of a scorer and Glenn Robinson, the third, is, you know, more of a defender. As far as the other guys, I think a lot of it's just kind of upside. Like, uh, they really like Marquise Chris's athleticism, um, but they're looking a little bit more with, you know, some consistency. And then, let's see, Willie Cauley-Stein, I, I think they're <laughs> – they're kind of in the same boat that you've been talking about with Willie, you know, during the Sacramento years that sometimes he's good, sometimes he's not. Um, and I think the, the fact that they weren't able to really see him play with Steph was a huge game changer because they really were intrigued with how they look, you know, in a, in a pick and roll situation with him. Uh, so I. Nope, oh, we lose Mark. Yeah, we'll, oh, we'll try and reconnect there with Mark Medina. Uh, had some issues on Christmas, and we'll we'll try and get him back on the line here. Yeah, what do you think of what he has to say there about the Warriors and the looming trade deadline? D'Angelo Russell not going anywhere for a while. I don't think D'Angelo Russell is going anywhere at the trade deadline. I also don't think D'Angelo Russell is going to be a member of the Warriors come October 20th of next next year. So you think there's going to be a major offseason deal involving D'Angelo Russell, perhaps the first pick, and perhaps a big name coming back? Yeah. I really do think, although to Mark's point, and, and I know I, I've said this as well, and, and Mark, Medina, Mark Medina rejoins us here on 95.7 The Game, I, I do think that you want to, in a perfect world, you'd like to see at least Curry and, and D'Angelo Russell get an opportunity to play together, right, Mark? And Mark, I mean, I, I think there is a value in seeing how that looks. Oh, without a doubt, and I think... When you're looking at these young guys, like the Warriors are keeping in mind, for better and for worse from what they're seeing this year, a lot of it is, hey, these guys are getting increased playing time because of all the injured guys. So what they're evaluating is who is a good 10th, 11th man on the team because realistically that's what's going to be available next season. Mark, we're just about done here with not only the year but the decade uh, what what do you think this decade of NBA basketball will most be remembered for? I, I would think it would have something to do with the uh, the way the game has become so perimeter-oriented, the proliferation of threes, but uh, what do you think? Yeah, it's an interesting question you brought up because uh, our staff at USA Today was compiling like, teams of the decade and players of the decade. I, you know, Maybe this is the obvious answer, but my takeaways as the team of the decade was the Warriors for you know that dynastic run and and, you know, obviously being able to break the regular season record that the Bulls had. Um, and then the player of the decade, you know, maybe Warrior fans won't like it, but I, I think you have to go with LeBron uh, because he was able to get in the finals, for, you know, from 2011 to last or to 2018. And I think on top of his obvious skill set, he was really the one that kind of changed the precedent with player movement. Like, he is not the first team to leave a team, to team up. I mean, you can look at, you know, even going back to Kareem's days, demanding, his, you know, a, a trade from Milwaukee to the Lakers, and then most recently, you know, when the Celtics formed a big three. But I think the way that he handled the decision to go to Miami and the backlash, um, I think that that created kind of an, an eye-opener for other star players that, hey, if you want to win an NBA championship, and for better or for worse, that's what a lot of – uh, things are measured these days. Uh, you have to be willing to maybe take a pay cut and uh, you know find ways to manipulate things where you're on you know the better end of a roster as opposed to maybe staying with a team that's not the most well managed. Mark, you were on hand for the Lakers Clippers matchup on on Wednesday evening uh, at Staples Center. 
What, what were your biggest takeaways from that game as the Clippers got the upper hand on the Lakers for a second time? Well, clearly Kawhi has played better than LeBron, but I think that you know making that into a whole narrative is a little bit easy because you can easily look at the, the head-to-head matchups. But the reality is a lot of it was circumstantial, too. You know, LeBron didn't play his best game in the in opening night because he was trying to go out of his way to make Anthony Davis feel comfortable. And then, uh, you know, he wound up being limited after Patrick Beverly kind of needed him in the groin. And that's going to be a big-picture issue moving forward. He's technically listed as questionable tonight against Portland. But my sense is that it's not the same sort of groin injury that he had against the Warriors on Christmas Day last year when he then missed the next 17 games. Um, and, you know, with Kawhi, as much as he's been playing well, there's 13 games that he shot below 50%. So I take it for what it is. The Clippers play really well. They, they took care of the moment. They seized it. But, you know, very rarely do Christmas Day results really mean anything in the grand scheme of things when it comes toward championship implications. Tonight, Mark, the uh, Warriors hosting Luka Doncic. He's even better this year than he was last year. In, in what ways yeah. would you say he has improved? Well, I, I think that he showed the same kind of game, and I'm not downplaying it, but I think that that comes on the heels of all of a sudden teams are paying more attention to him. And it's funny, I was uh, at the Lakers-Mavs game earlier this year, and I caught up with Dirk Nowitzki for a little bit, and he was saying, you know what, I was even skeptical that Luka would have a good season to start here. I thought that... He was going to struggle with you know teams now really pinpointing him on the scouting report, but he's proven me wrong. So I think the fact that he's proven you know Mavs is luminary, who saw him day in and day out last year, speaks volumes. And it feels like that beyond his skill set, which is very complete, and there's not really many holes, that he has a real real uh, growth mindset where he's open to coaching. You know, Rick Carlisle sometimes gets on him for you know having the flair for the dramatic and his shot selection. And I think that there's been kind of a meeting of the minds of Rick allowing Luca to be who he is, but Luca also being open to knowing, you know, what's best for the team and, and being a little bit more calculated for when to hit the home run. Mark, uh, we're throwing around here uh, at the beginning of the show. I mean, how how realistically, and, and we're, we're kidding even even saying this, at least uh, partly, how realistically should you should you think about the Warriors making a playoff run with as, about as bad as the, the, the eight seed is right now, just a 35-win pace for the Blazers? Five and a half out, Mark. Yeah, I'm not going to buy stock in it yet. Um, <laughs> I think that this four-game winning streak is going to be kind of like the main highlight of the season as far as results go. I think there's going to be a lot more losses as they face better teams, including Dallas tonight. And, you know, they get out of maybe the the beginning of the dog days of the NBA season. But I think that that's not to diminish the Warriors at all. Like, Draymond Green said it best yesterday. I saw his forward. He was saying a month ago they would have lost this game by 40. So uh, I think the fact that They've shown, uh, you know, an ability to, to, to get through tough moments, absorb 27 turnovers, unlike what they did against Sacramento a few weeks ago. That shows that there is incremental improvement, that these guys aren't afraid of not even just the moment in crunch time, but also when things don't go your way right away, that, that doesn't automatically cause them to throw up the, the white flag and say, hey, the night's over. So uh, I think in that respect, 
uh, these are encouraging signs for next year. But it's not enough encouragement to think, okay, it's going to be an eighth seed. Mark, great stuff. We really appreciate the time. Happy New Year to you, and we'll, we'll talk to you again here soon. All right, Happy New Year to you guys, my man. I appreciate it. All right, Mark Medina of USA Today joining us here on 95.7 The Game. Whitey, one hour in the books, three hours to come as Warriors this week rolls on here on 95.7 The Game. Now back to Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. Hour number two, John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason, and you, 888-957-9570, Our thanks to Mark Medina of USA Today for joining us on the program. Connor Letourneau. Well, that guy must love you. Excuse me, but uh, Medina, I mean, any time, day or night, Christmas Day. Hey, time, J.D., what do you mean? Uh, So that's great. Yeah. You guys, you guys must be real tight. Yeah, and, and Mark actually, uh, from time to time, has co-hosted this show here okay. and there. There's been a, a couple of instances where, you know, we needed needed somebody. Yeah, he was on fire today. Yeah, and, and boy, the Lake, Lakers-Clippers game. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of it felt Clippers like... Clippers are the better team, aren't they? The Clippers I, I are the better the, team because the Lakers are older, and so their depth is really a question going forward. The, the Clippers, I think, are the better team. I was just left watching that game like it was it just felt it just felt really loose and it, it just didn't have you don't think that's because it's okay look it's christmas it's december we've got some older guys we got to make sure they're ready to go i mean come freaking may it was a close game it was a it was a good game it was i saw a lot of oh this game lived up to the hype i don't think the game really lived up to the hype and maybe it's because the hype is too high but I just I look at that game and I think it's it's emblematic of exactly why the NBA ratings are down because it's you're excited for the game it was clearly the best game of the day in terms of competitiveness I think the Warriors was probably the second best game of the day because it was one of the great upsets in, yeah. in Christmas Day history greatest Christmas Day upset in NBA history according to some and anytime you see a team that's having a, a down year kind of get that home game against a pretty good team and they can pull off the upset. I mean, I always think there's a better intensity just in the building for that, which I think makes it a better watch you know, for the nation. So that was a that was a pretty fun game to watch and certainly to be at. Uh, but the Lakers-Clippers game was the best game of the day. I just felt it just lacks punch. Hmm. It, just, it just lacked... You're not buying my theory that it's because both teams know that this is on TV. But that's a problem for the league. That's a problem. I agree 100%. It's the fact that... That's why they're coming up with, excuse me, but that's why they're, well, how do we make this part of the season more uh, important? Ah, mid-season tournament. There we go. I mean, that's that's how desperate they are. One of the funnier takes I saw last night on Twitter, I want to say it was uh, Tim Kawakami that, that, that had the tweet, Boy, the Warriors right now would sure be a tough out in the midseason tournament. That's not funny. That's true. <laughs> the Warriors would be a tough <laughs> okay, out. That's pretty funny. They'd be hard to take. Maybe they could win that extra million bucks a, a player in the in the midseason tournament right now. They'd be. I tell you what, they'd be wrecking shop against the the Sacramento's, Memphis's, Minnesota's, Phoenix's, New Orleans's. Yeah, not to get uh, lost there off of that tangent, but. The way the tournament works, you'd have your regular season. Some of the regular season games would be considered tournament games, right? But then some of them would not because, like, let's say let's say the Rockets-Warriors was a tournament game, then the Warriors win, and then the next round they'd probably have to schedule that based on who else won. At, 
It's going to be confusing, too. It's going to be confusing, and but, I mean, if you just look at, hey, some of these other teams in the Western Conference, uh, you know, maybe maybe the Warriors find, uh, maybe they would have, let's say, played Sacramento as they did a couple of weeks ago and lost and kind of gone into the loser's bracket, hmm. and then they wind up playing maybe Memphis, Minnesota, or maybe Minnesota, Phoenix, and the Pelicans, and then they win three. Oh, there's going to be a loser's bracket? I don't know. I'm making it up as I go. I think there's a yeah. Well, can you have to have games? I mean, of course there's going to be a losers bracket because you're going to have to play a game or two, and then based on I thought it was single elimination, but I don't know if I just assumed that or if I actually read that somewhere. Well, I've done my best to try and intentionally ignore it, ignore it, hoping that that will make it not come to fruition. But yeah, the Warriors right now one of the one of the better lines of the night. The Warriors right now would be a hell of an out in the mid season tournament. Okay, question. Let's fast forward to 10 years from now, okay? So 10 years from now, you and I are sitting right here, and we're doing Warriors this week. Okay. And we're looking back on the decade of the 2020s, and we're trying to figure out who's the player of the decade. Yeah. So how much do we consider how that player played in the midseason tournament to determine the player of the decade 10 years from now? Well, we'll have to how big of a factor. Look is that at some recent be? Milwaukee Bucks games because I think the player of the twenties is going to be Giannis. Yeah, I, think I mean, the tur- I think they're going to have that tournament like three years, and then they're going to say, "Yeah, never mind, scrap it." And and then it's going to screw up all kinds of things because you're going to have teams that played eighty one or eighty three games. And right. It just it, if you win the tournament, do you hang a banner? Depends on who you are. I mean, I think there are some teams that would hang a banner. If you get to the finals of the tournament, do you hang a banner? No. Okay. Nobody would do that. Teams most apt to hang a banner for the midseason tournament win. Who you got? Sacramento. <laughs> Why you say that? Because they hung division titles, banners, even though the team that was in the division ended up winning the championship that year and beating them from the conference championship. Oh, yeah. That's kind of desperate and weak. But I don't see Sacramento winning the tournament, so never mind. <laughs> do you? Well, I mean, they would have got off to a good start if they had played the Warriors a couple of weeks ago in that tournament. Good question. I would think you the answer is yes. They, I mean, think about this for a second. I know, I mean, we're doing Warriors this week here, but just from a perspective of when those two teams played two weeks ago, because this is kind of crazy to think about. Sacramento had the game where they had, what, 28, 29, turn, 29 turnovers, and they beat the Warriors by 20. They haven't won a game since. Yeah. They haven't won a game since. 0-5, oh, and, and the Warriors are 4-1 since. Warriors Goofy. really have had a split personality, and that was the bad Warrior team that just did not show up. Had, for whatever reason, no fire in the belly and no interest really in competing that night. Odds, I think they were depressed that the 49ers had lost to the Falcons that day. Odds on favorite to be the player of the decade in the 2020s. Oh, yeah. Giannis? It's got to be Giannis. Giannis won... Smiling each two. <laughs> uh, I don't know, Lamelo. I'm I'm being a little bit silly, but I, I'm trying to think of another legitimate. Well, Luca. Yeah, Luca. Don't you? I think Luca would be right up there with. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.